Welcome to Language During Mealtime. Certified speech-language pathologist and children's book author Becca Eisenberg brings you creative professionals from the language learning and children's education field. With these ideas, parents can help their children with special needs improve language and reading abilities. Hi, my name is Becca Eisenberg. Welcome to my podcast, Language During Mealtime, episode number 69. Today, I'll be interviewing Jamie Sumner. Jamie Sumner is the author of the critically acclaimed middle grade novels, Roll With It and Tune It Out. She is also the author of the nonfiction books Unbound and Eat, Sleep, Save the World for parents of children with special needs. Jamie has written for the New York Times and the Washington Post, as well as other publications, and she is the reviews editor at Literary Mama. She lives with her family in Nashville, Tennessee, and she loves stories that celebrate the grit and beauty in all kids. So to learn more about Jamie, connect with her at jamiesumner.com. So thank you so much for being here today. I'm, you have so much I want to talk with you about. I'm just, I'm such a fan of, you know, all of your work. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And it's nice to be able to be on a podcast that I get to talk to someone who's an expert in the things that I write about too. <laughs> so yeah, I, lo- I mean, I, there's nothing better than seeing um, what you talk, we'll talk about it within a middle grade series because a middle grade, middle grade novels, um, because a lot of times I just don't see um, that type of like subjects come up, characters, um, so the first question I had for you, we're going to talk about, well, we're going to talk about both books, but the first I'm going to start with is Roll With It, which I loved. I mean, I love, I love both books, but I wanted to see if you could talk a little bit about the main character, Ellie, and the character development and, you know, how you thought of the character, how it, um, how it evolved over time, and just maybe a little bit of a synopsis of the book um, for anyone who doesn't know it. Sure. Um, So Roll With It follows Ellie, who is 12, and she um, is in a wheelchair and she has cerebral palsy. And um, the story essentially is her journey with her mom from Nashville, Tennessee to Oklahoma to this big move she has to make to move in with her grandparents um, because her grandfather has Alzheimer's and he's he's uh, kind of taking a, not a turn for the worse, but the decline is increasing, I would say. Mm-hmm. And so they, she and her mom make this choice to move out there to the trailer park where her grandparents live and start all over there so she they can help. And so it's a story about kind of new beginnings and fresh starts um, in maybe one of the hardest places for someone who's in a wheelchair to have a new beginning and a fresh start um, because, you know, trailers are not wheelchair friendly. Um, Her new school in this very small town is not equipped to handle her in the ways that her public school was where she lived before. Um, But you come to see Ellie really blossom in this place because she makes some amazing friends and she really dives into her favorite thing, which if you see the cover of Roll With It, Ellie's on the cover in her wheelchair and she's like spinning a pie in her hand because baking is her passion and it's what she wants to do when she grows up. And when she moves to Oklahoma, she really 
finds a way to explore it and to express herself through her baking in ways she hadn't before she moved. So it's it's her story. Um, but to answer your question about where her story came from, it's actually inspired by my son, who is Charlie. He's eight. Um, and he has CP and is in a wheelchair as well. And the reason I wanted to write the book was because I looked on the shelves of the books in middle school and elementary school, and I didn't see anybody like Charlie. Um, There wasn't anyone in a wheelchair. If there were characters with special needs, they were often side characters that existed to advance the plot of whatever story they were in, and they were very two-dimensional, and they didn't really portray accurately whatever the disability was. And that bothered me a lot because I don't want Charlie to go to his library and not be able to find something that reflects him because that's part of what being a reader and first, especially in that young elementary age and early middle school age, it's where you find yourself in the stories and where you really learn what you love. And you learn a lot about yourself in the characters that you read and the ones you connect with. And if there's nobody like you, in the books you read, you're going to feel like there's nobody like you in the world. Um, and that's a very lonely feeling. And I, Charlie already struggles with, with loneliness, you know, cause he's already different. And so I wanted to write something that would make him feel included and that would encourage other people like kids in his class and kids all over the world really to understand him better and to empathize with him. And not just sympathize, but empathize to really be able to put themselves in his place and feel what he's feeling because Roll With It is written in first person. So you're in Ellie's head and you're in her experience and you're in that wheelchair getting achy and restless or sore and tired or having to ask somebody else to wheel you down the gravel road because you can't wheel on gravel or having to explain to people just because I'm in a wheelchair doesn't mean I'm hard of hearing. Please stop yelling at me. Or just because I'm in a wheelchair doesn't mean I'm not as smart as you. Please don't talk down to me. You know, there's all these things that you get to see because you're following Ellie around. Uh, And she's tough. Like, she is not some sweet, shy wallflower. Like, she says it like it is, and she expects you to deal with it. Yeah, but I think that's really, I think that's really important because, you know, as a speech pathologist working on communication, like, I think, you know, we have to understand what I loved about the book is getting in the head of Ellie and seeing her perspective. So what are we talking about with empathy versus sympathy? It is really to stress the word, like to be empathetic, to understand different perspectives and to understand that she's just like everybody else. Um, and how she feels about things. But I think also her perspective just on entering a new school, you know, not wanting an aid with her. Um, And I just feel like all these things that we think about, like sometimes we always think, oh, we know what's best for a child. But as as the child gets older and, you know, Ellie's getting to be more of a teenager, you know, we have to let the kids decide what's good for them. And what I liked about it is that it was just, I think it empowered her to be, independent. Um, And so it kind of goes into my next question about her friendships, because I know that was a really big thing when she moved, she made really good friends. So I was wondering if you could just talk about um, the importance of friendships 
and how that evolved within the story, because I think that was really significant because it made her feel like part of the community, part of the school. It made her feel like to have that, those friendships and relationships with good friends who saw her just for who she was and not just being, not, not even really seeing the wheelchair per se, just really understanding who she was. Yeah, this was really important for me to to include as well because, you know, it's like you have friends when you're little, when, like kindergarten, first grade, second grade, everybody's kind of friends with each other and your friends are whoever's in closest proximity to you, you know, like the kids on the street, the kids on your bus, the kids in your class. And it really isn't until you get into those middle school years where you actually actively choose who your friends are. And Ellie had spent a large part of her time pushing people away um, because of that fear of, of not really being understood mm-hmm. um, or being pitied. That was her biggest thing. Like, don't feel sorry for me. I, I don't feel sorry for me. So you, you can't feel sorry for me either. And when she gets to this trailer park, the first person she meets is Coralie, who's in the trailer next door. And Coralie, the best thing about her is she says exactly, it's kind of like Ellie. She says exactly what's on her mind and she doesn't worry about offending you. So Ellie, from the very beginning, knew that Coralie wouldn't lie to her, wouldn't tell her things, and then really behind, like, really be thinking, oh, poor Ellie. Like, Coralie is honest to a fault. You know, there, there's some conflict there when Corley says some things that really hurt Ellie, but in the end it makes their friendship stronger because they're talking about it, you know? And so Corley is the first person that, that Ellie really connects with. And Corley's so weird in this wonderful way. Like she wants to win these beauty pageants. She wants to be a triple threat. She wants to sing, dance, and act. She lives in this trailer with cockatoos flying around because her grandparents just let them fly around. And her she doesn't live with her mom because her mom's kind of not in the picture right now. And that's a really big thing for her. Um, and then, of course, there's Bert, who is... Ellie's second friend that she makes, um, who is just as wonderful and weird in his own ways. You know, the first time she meets him, he's covered in blood because he works at his dad's grocery store and he was chopping meat in the back. And he comes to introduce himself covered in blood. Um, and he just, his, his, um, demeanor is different from Corley's, but he has the same mentality of I am who I am and you have to accept me like this. And um, like he carries around a satchel that they tease him as a man purse. And he's like, it's not a purse. It's a satchel. Here's the definition of a satchel, you know? And he builds this tiny town in the shed in his backyard because for him, that's soothing. These this This detailed work that takes all his focus and... They both basically reassure Ellie that she can be whatever she wants and she doesn't have to apologize for it and that they'll love her the way she is because they're the way they are and 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 we can all be together. And I think they're, in a way, they're like a trio of misfits. Um, and Coralie especially sees it like that. Ellie kind of finds more of a place with within the school later on 
that there is this tension between her and Coralie over that because Coralie wants to be aloof uh, in a way from everyone else in the school because she sees this there's a there's a dynamic between those who live in the town and those who live in the trailer park and Coralie really kind of holds a grudge against those who have more than her and that's something there's that poverty that socioeconomic strata that Coralie really hangs on to and you see them work through that as well so all that to say her friends become the way that she learns to open up and be vulnerable because they are the first people that she shows like that she bakes for that aren't her family um, that she goes and has adventures with. And so in that way, she gets to experience all the regular kid stuff that she had been avoiding before now because she was too nervous that she would be rejected or that misunderstood. Yeah, I think it's just it's such an I think it's such a great book. It's such an amazing story, and I just feel. I, I also just want to add, and then we're going to move on to your to talk about your next book. Is also the perspective and like an aging grandparent, mm-hmm. um, because I think a lot of kids are, you know, deal with that. You know, as far as yeah. you know, you were saying with the grandfather, you know, with memory loss, and you know, going to the doctor with him, and kind of what that feels like as well. So I, I like that. Um, I like that you had added those characters in the story as well. Well, family is is kind of the central arc of the book in that this is what we do for family, um, which I think is really important to talk about nowadays when everyone is increasingly more isolated and they don't. You don't have that sense of inter-family dependence and caring for each other that we used to have. Um, But also with the grandfather, I wanted to show the difference between Ellie's very visible disability and then her grandfather's invisible um, illness. Because that is the first time that Ellie really processes, I don't know who I'm going to be talking to when I talk to him. I can't always tell. Um, And she, she has kind of these moments where she doesn't want to be misunderstood by people who see her in the chair, right? But then also she has this realization that everybody has their stuff. Everybody has their the things they struggle with. And she watches her grandfather struggle with something that is internal and realizes that that can be just as hard, if not harder, than what she's struggling with. Because what that means is you end up having to explain yourself to everyone. Like Ellie doesn't want anyone to assume anything about her, but what happens with the grandfather is if he looks normal, people treat him that way. And then when he's confused, then he has to, he can't find words to explain why he's angry or upset. And she watches this conflict of what you see versus what is reality. And I wanted kid readers to really process that too. Like, There are all different kinds of differences. Some are visible and some are invisible. But the main thing you have to remember is not to make assumptions about anybody, no matter who they are. Exactly. And that kind of leads a nice segue into your next book, which I want to make sure to talk about called Tune It Out. Um, So I was hoping you could just give a little bit of a synopsis about that book, about the character of Lou um, and, you know, just sensory processing disorder and how you chose that topic and that character for this book. 
Sure. So, so Tune It Out follows Lou, Louise, who basically she has the voice of an angel. And if you heard her, you would think she should be on the voice and she would win and it would not even be a contest. And her mom sees that in her and really latches onto it and it becomes their life. Um, they, she wants all of that for her daughter and she sacrifices school and a secure living environment and a lot of other stuff in order to try to get that for herself and for Lou. And so the story is really um, about how Lou struggles with this idea that the thing she loves, which is singing, puts her in situations because of her mother that trigger everything about her sensory processing disorder. So crowds, loud noises, sudden touches, all the things that are involved in a sensory processing disorder, she finds herself thrown into because of pursuing the things she loves. So it basically, the story follows Lou when she gets, when Child Protective Services finally separates her from her mother for an incident. Um, and she goes to live with her aunt and uncle and she starts attending school for the first time. And she really learns what SPD is mm-hmm. um, so that she can own it and not be afraid of it or ashamed of it, you know. And she finds friends and gets involved with theater, which becomes a balm of sorts to the, all the things that she's gone through before this. It's like a form of performing that she can participate in without actively necessarily triggering all these things. So it's a, kind of her journey with understanding what her sensory processing disorder is and finding her voice and naming it on her own terms, which is really hard. I mean, everyone's trying to do that. Us adults are all trying to do that. Like, what do we need and what do we want and who are we? And also, how do we explain that to everyone else in our life? Like, that's a big thing to do. And when you're in middle school, and you're still learning that. And then to add SPD on top of it, and then to be brave enough to be able to share it, it's a lot. And you, the reader kind of follows Lou as she learns how to do that. And obviously deals with, what about my mom? And, you know, are, am I going to be living in the truck again with my mom when she comes back into my life? And what do I want my life to look like if I let her back in? You know, there's a lot of big things that Lou goes through um, throughout the course of the novel. Yeah, I think what, you know, what I really loved about the book was the part where she learned about it. You know, Mm -hmm. she actually learned what sensory processing disorder was because I think that, you know, she just never like understood those feelings or had a label for it. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I like about the book as well is how she not only learned about it, but, you know, went through some different incidents with it and then learns how to, how to cope with it and how to anticipate certain things that would bother her. Um, And I think as, you know, for, cause you know, I work with kids, I work with um, teenagers and adults, but I think it also helps to promote just advocacy for yourself Mm -hmm. because if something bothers you, you know, as an adult, we could say, Hey, you know what? Like, I don't like large crowds, which is, you know, um, or I don't like loud noises or I don't like, there are certain things that everyone has things that bother them. 
Um, but as adults, we could communicate that in a way that other people understand. But I think for Lou, it was like a process for her in learning how to not only accept it, but to be able to kind of talk about, well, like, how do I cope and how do I advocate for myself so that I don't feel so overwhelmed? Well, and and for her especially, well, for let us all think back to our middle school years. (laughs) Nobody wants to stand out. You know, nobody wants to feel different. But we all think we're different, right? Like we all think there's something wrong with me. I Middle school is hard for me, but it's easy for everyone else. Or how come everyone already knows where to sit and they already have friends? And how do they know that that's the thing to wear? It's like you automatically feel inside like you're, like you're an outsider. Um, and then add that to, you know, Lou has this other thing going on with the SPD. and she just desperately doesn't want to stand out for it. And so it takes a lot of courage. And again, a really awesome best friend who calls him, well, he calls himself the thespian extraordinaire because he is in theater and he gets her involved and he's fun and he's outgoing. And he encourages Lou to find the ways that she can be brave and let herself kind of speak her truth in a way that like nobody else can do. And I think peers often are better at that than like if if an adult says, you know, Lou meets with that counselor at the school and she encourages her to do a lot of things and Lou ends up taking some of her advice, but I don't think she would have without her friend by her side saying, you've got this, you know, I'm, I'm here with you. You've got this. We can walk together through these halls and you can figure it out, you know? I think everybody needs that kind of friend. That's true. Definitely. And I think also just the uncertainties also, especially during this time, I think we have so many uncertainties. We don't know what's going on. Um, And I think that, you know, it's, I think a lot, it's something that I think a lot of people can empathize with in, you know, in their own way. So it's because she did, Lou had a lot of uncertainties because she was moved around. She wasn't sure what was going to go on. She was going through a lot of different things. So um, definitely, uh, you know, both books, amazing books for, I think, I mean, I I love them as an adult, Um, but I definitely think for, you know, older elementary, middle schoolers, really kind of understanding it. And I think kids are really accepting and I I find kids not judgmental. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, you know, to, to learn about the characters, I think it's, it just, I think it's a really great lesson for kids. So I think I could definitely see the books being read in schools. Um, I think there's a lot of great discussions that could come out of it. So, yeah. One of the most wonderful things, and I'm trying to hold on to this, that has come out of quarantine and COVID is that I've gotten to Zoom with a lot of schools that maybe I couldn't have traveled to before that Um, because of distance and time and all those other things. I've been able to meet with a lot more schools than I could have if I tried to actually fly there, you know, and both for Roll With It and Tune It Out. The thing that I love is that the kids all say, 
Oh yeah, I love I I like music like Lou likes music. You know, I that's one of my favorite songs too. And oh yeah, I you know, I have a jacket like Lou's or or I remember that moment where I didn't know where to sit in the cafeteria and and you know, I I like to bake like Ellie. And so they all like naturally find things in common with characters who from the outside, if they just saw them and they were a stranger, they would not have maybe saw themselves in this person. And because of reading the book, they find all these things that they identify with and they get excited about it. And it makes them willing to experience the other things, like really get in Lou's head when when she gets triggered by a sensory issue, when the blender goes off in the kitchen and she dies under the table. You know, when people start to clap for her and she has to literally bow to the applause and secretly plug her ears because she can't stand the noise. I mean, like there's so much there that you would not normally be able to identify with if you hadn't walked so far along the story with these people to where they feel like they're your friend or they're you, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And so I want to make sure to talk about, because you not only write books for children, you also write books for parents. So I was wondering if you could talk about the two books that you've written. Um, and I would love to learn more about it because I know parents will be listening to this and would definitely want to learn more about your work. Sure. So the first, the first thing I would say is, so most of the, all of the essays I write for the Washington Post and the New York Times are about special needs and parenting. And, um, and those are all, linked on my website as well. So if you want like the essays, you can go there and read them, which is a nice way to like just hit the highlights without having to to dive into a book. And also, um, oh, and it's jamie-sumner.com is the website. But um, the books themselves are essentially the story of my husband and I Unbound is the story of my husband and I going through infertility and getting pregnant with Charlie and then having this child with highly, highly specific special needs. I mean, he had, he, he doesn't just have CP. He has a rare syndrome called Beckwith-Wiedemann syndrome as well. And so he came home with a tracheotomy and oxygen and heart rate monitors and, and, and a, later a G-tube and, and had febrile seizures and, it was a very fraught time. And so that book really talks about those in that initial time in our lives. And then um, Eat, Sleep, Save the World really deals with, so these are faith-based books. So they interweave scripture and things within, within the books. And that one really focuses on, it still tells our story as Charlie's older, um, but it focuses on the traits that I think special needs parents don't, like they, we all feel like we could be doing more all the time, just all the time. Mm-hmm. There's always a list. Um, I think every parent does that, but I think it's much weightier for parents of kids with special needs. And so that book is essentially, it focuses on traits that I believe that we have that we don't celebrate enough. Like we, we don't give ourselves enough credit. And this book is essentially about helping parents recognize all the things they're doing right instead of pointing out things they need to do better. It's a book about saying, you; these are the things that you're already doing 
And it is so important that you take a second and realize it because you're doing so much better than you ever give yourself credit for. And here's how. <laughs> and right, right, right. And we always want to do, I mean, I understand we always want to do more. Um, and I think sometimes, you know, you don't realize how much stuff you're doing until you really reflect on it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but I, I, that's, I think, really powerful for parents. Because I think sometimes you have to, you know, read something like that and really kind of get into that mindset of like, okay, I am doing a great job. I am. Because it is, it is hard. It is like easy, I think, sometimes to get, feel set back or you're not doing enough or, you know, you should have done this or you should have done that. So um, I think that sounds, it's a really important read. It's, it's kind of, it's so funny. We, occasionally you'll meet that rare unicorn of a person who doesn't, isn't wired like that. They're just automatically like, I'm awesome. I'm amazing. This is me. I own it, you know, but that has never been me. And, and most of the people in my circle, that is not me or that is not them. Um, and so it's been really good to connect with other parents who need that mental and emotional, like, pat on the back, you know, which sounds silly, but it's not. We we don't stop enough and just rest in what we've already done and what we're doing, you know? And so it's it's been really, it's been really good for me to connect with these parents because it just shows you how many more people out there are really like you, you know what I mean? Um, which I guess is the theme in all my books. I guess that's where we're going with this. That there's so many more people in the world that are like you than not. If you can look past whatever you first see and really get to know them, you realize there's so much more in common. And it makes the world a much more accommodating place for you and for your kids when you come into it with that perspective. Not trying to pick out the differences in everybody, but trying to pick out all those similarities that connect us. Yeah, I, I love that. I really, I think I'm just, I just, I just love all of, you know, your, you know, your books and, and I agree in your perspective and I'm like definitely encouraging anybody listening definitely to check out Jamie's books for sure. And I'm sure you're going to be having many more books in the future. Yes. There sure you full of ideas. <laughs> there are more books coming. I have another middle grade book coming out next fall and then oh. uh, five more after that. Wow. So, that's amazing. Yeah. Things are happening. Wow. Well, I'm excited to definitely learn more. Is there anything that you want to add before we finish up? Uh, No, I would just say, you know, I... I think Becca and I found each other connected on Instagram. So I'm on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, who am I? I'm Jamie Sumner, lower dash, whatever that is, author. That's me on Instagram. And I think that's me on Twitter as well. So I love to talk to people. I love to hear from parents and from kids. I just got a really sweet email yesterday from an 11-year-old girl in Canada who read Roll With It for her book report. And she's like, I'm, I'm not a reader, but I couldn't put this book down. And thank you so much for writing it. And and I just love everything about it. And I love how strong Ellie is and that she gets angry, but also happy and sad. And it was just so kind and sweet. So I love to hear those too. 
Well, thank you so much. I'm excited to, you know, see all of your future work for sure. I'll definitely be on the lookout. And I don't know if anyone, the, the way that I got connected with Jamie's book is because I saw a role with it in Target. Woo-hoo. And yeah, I saw it and I was immediately, it was immediately in my cart. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's for me. Like, it was like, I went to Target just to find that book. That's really, um, and the connection that we made. And I think just, it's so helpful for parents and, and for kids. So thank you so much again. Thanks for taking the time today to talk about all your work. And thank you for listening today. Listen and learn with us at Language During Mealtime. Time.